Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. and welcome to From the Newsroom, the weekly podcast from the Hall and Sentinel staff. I'm managing editor Audra Gamble, and today I'm joined by three of our reporters. I'm joined by our municipality reporter, Carolyn Myskins. Hey, Carolyn. Hey. I'm joined by our education reporter, Mitch Boatman. Hey, Mitch. Hey, how's it going? Uh, pretty well. How about yourself? Not too bad. And I'm joined by our politics reporter, Arpin Lobo. Hey, Arpin. Hi, Audra. Um, So today we're going to talk about some exciting things that have happened on this tulip time week in Holland. Um, So first of all, Carolyn, we were a little bit uh, curious to see how the crowds would be for our first tulip time back um, while we're still in the midst of COVID-19. And of course, last year's was canceled because of COVID. So, you know, I know we still have a couple of days left here, but so far so good, right? Yeah, Tulip Time has really exceeded the organizers' expectations so far. Um, I think it's a little hard to gauge the numbers of people who are at the festival, but there are a few indicators you can look at. One of those is hotel rooms, and hotels in Holland were sold out for the first weekend of Tulip Time. Um, Windmill Island Gardens, which sells tickets for admission, also gives you an idea of the numbers they had 12,000 visitors over Saturday and Sunday, which is, uh, it's not close to their record, but it's much, much better than they were expecting and a really solid first weekend. Uh, Tulip Times organizer, Gwen Auerda, told me she was shocked and surprised by just how busy it was, how many people came out. And I think people really eager to get out and, and do something. Literally anything, no. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of a, a, I don't know, a little bit of an experiment almost because normally in tulip time, there's three parades, there's some sort of bigger concert and, you know, some performances, all the, all the lovely Dutch dancers. And we didn't have any of that this year. So, um, you know, when normally we, assign reporters out to cover certain events and you know same thing this year and when we heard that almost every single ticketed event was entirely sold out for I mean frankly I was shocked to hear that that many people showed interest so you know it's a little bit of a I think test for how the rest of the the summer and the year will go for all of the you know lovely events that go on throughout the state of Michigan because it it sounds like tulip time is really one of the the first larger events in the state, you know, where you're thinking Traverse City Cherry Festival and, you know, Hot Air Balloon Festival and and how all those sorts of things, they're later in the year. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what the turnout is like for those events as well. Yeah, I think it's an optimistic sign for the state that people are ready to travel and do things maybe in 
a lot of the events this year were in small groups. So I think people may have felt safer. Okay, I'm not going to this huge crowded concert. I'm going to a painting class with only 20 other people. Like it's events where you can feel safe if you're concerned about um, catching COVID-19. And so I think um, the organizers said they've been contacted by people who organize other festivals in Michigan, just trying to get a sense of um, what are you guys seeing to prepare for events later this summer? And how many staff are we going to have to have to hire? Are we going to be overwhelmed with people? Um, and yeah, so I think people are pretty optimistic about tourism this year. Yeah, that's interesting that other organizations have, have reached out to Holland and kind of picked their brains a little bit to, to see how, how to do things. That's interesting. Yeah, Holland is the guinea pig. <laughs> the flower-filled guinea pig. All right. Um, so tulip time is not the only exciting thing that we had happen this week. Mitch, um, I want to ask you because we had an election night that was pretty important for some local school districts on Tuesday. We did, and it was a very successful one as well. Um, and just in the Holland area in general, all five proposals on the on the local ballot passed, so that was cool to see. Uh, the two major things, though, we had a some pretty major bond proposals for both Holland and Zealand this week. And Holland, their bond passed with 73% support, which is pretty amazing for a bond proposal. Uh, I don't, you know, think I remember seeing one that high. And that'll raise $74,650,000 for the district. And then in Zealand, pretty similar dollar amount, 75 million. And that passed with just under 60% support. So, you know, pretty good support from the, in the community for both of those proposals and it's going to fund a lot of uh, work in both districts in the next few years. For the the Holland School District, uh, are there any kind of big ticket items that they're talking about in that bond? Yeah, the two biggest ones will be part of kind of the second series of projects. So that'll come in July 2023. They're going to do pretty much a partial reconstruction for two of their elementary schools. So a lot of the schools in the district are going to get renovated, but we're talking like whole new instructional spaces at both Holland Heights and West Elementary. So I know at West, that building was built as a middle school and they've been using it as an elementary school with success, but it just doesn't function exactly how you would want a modern elementary school to. So they're going to redo a ton of the instructional space there. And same thing at Holland Heights. Most of those classrooms there are original to the building. So they're just kind of tear them down and give them a new uh, fresh upgrade there. So and, are... and what about for the, the Zealand bond? Are there some larger items in that one as well? Yeah, so the biggest thing that was part of their 2020 proposal got taken out, uh, which would have been a new middle school. They kind of held off on that, but they're gonna have a new wing onto Adams Elementary that's coming in um, the 2023 series. There's gonna be some renovations at uh, the Zealand high schools. Um, there's a lot of HVAC and roofing work done in the district. Um, they're putting in a new community track, uh, which is going to be for the middle school. But uh, Cal DeKuyper was telling me the other day that they're hoping that is going to be a, really just a community recreation sort of a thing. So it's going to be unlocked. Just kind of the vision is for anybody to be able to come and use it. So really something to you know, get back to the community sort of a thing and um, just show that they're really you know, a full community uh, initiative, not just something for the schools. 
Nice. All right. Yeah, that's definitely something to look forward to. So one of the highlights normally of tulip time is the governor's luncheon that we have generally at the, the start of the week of tulip time. Um, and, you know, Governor Whitmer was obviously not not able to, to do that last year with the, the festival being canceled. And there wasn't a, a parade this year, which normally is is what happens right after the governor's luncheon. However, <laughs> um, we, we asked the governor's office if even though the parades aren't happening, if we could still snag a little bit of her time um, to talk, because that's something that we normally get to do during tulip time. And Arpen, you talked to Governor Whitmer this week and had a little bit of a, a chat. What did she have to say? Yeah, you know, other than uh, lamenting uh, that she couldn't be in Holland for tulip time, uh, the right, governor and I... Yeah, in, in the Dutch costume and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she missed her clogs, but uh, or yeah. her clompins, or whatever they're called. Apologies. Um, no, uh, we spoke a little bit about the vaccine rollouts going on right now in Michigan. And and one of the things I asked her in, in particular was, how is the state kind of reacting to this situation we're in now where over 50% of Michiganders have received at least one dose of the vaccine? And that's obviously a good thing, but the state has set a goal of getting to 70%. But if you look at state, excuse me, if you look at state data, you can see that the amount of doses being administered every week has actually decreased since the week ending April 10th. And if you remember, that's the week when um, Michigan kind of opened up the vaccine eligibility to everybody above the age of 16. So looking at the state data, you could see a concerning trend there where less people are getting vaccinated each week. Um, Governor Whitmer did say that was something that the state, state health officials were anticipating. They knew that they were going to come to a point where, um, you know, people who maybe aren't vaccine hesitant or don't want to get the vaccine, but aren't just as motivated to get the vaccine, you know, would kind of be in that position where they're the next ones in line. And so what she told me was that really the state is kind of relying on public awareness campaigns. Um, for example, Governor Whitmer kind of mentioned to me how much, you know, she's encouraging people that get vaccinated to kind of share their stories with uh, other people in their friend groups or their coworkers or their neighbors or what have you, just kind of telling them, hey, I got vaccinated. Yeah, my arm was a little sore. You know, I did feel a little, you know, under the weather that night, but the next day it was fine. And then two weeks later, I had full protection after my second dose, you know. So that's really what the message is from the state at this point. So that was one of the big topics, definitely. Yeah, I think it will be interesting, you know, moving forward, uh, getting to that <laughs> that 50% mark, that's, that's the easier half, really, that you know, the state has had to deal with so far. So to get past that mark where you're now going up against vaccine hesitancy or, you know, access issues still for, for some who work really long hours or are in rural areas of the state, um, it will be, I, I think, a little bit of a, you know, policy and approach shift to, to reach that additional set of Michiganders. Um, has, has the governor talked at all about you know, maybe potential new ways to reach those individuals? She did not mention any uh, policy measures. Uh, I think it was Wednesday when we spoke, but she did say that uh, right now she she is encouraged by um, the kind of responses the state is getting from um, local uh, health officials about going uh, and getting people uh, those doses. She mentioned one thing that is likely going to take place throughout the state is you're going to see less of these mass vaccination clinics. For example, in West Michigan, we have the DeVos clinic in Grand Rapids where 
they can vaccinate thousands of people uh, today. A lot of our staff members even got their uh, vaccine dose there. Um, and it looks like we're going to move away from those types of scenarios into more maybe intimate settings. If you could go to your church and get your vaccine dose or someone could come into your home and give you your vaccine dose. It's, it's all about, I think at this point, uh, making sure that access is equitable for everyone. I mean, you know, this pandemic has been extremely uh, tough for a lot of individuals and some people are even now um, with the vaccine world, they're still kind of unsure about how they want to move forward and kind of re-entering the world and going to a crowded uh, vac vaccination site, you know, could be a part of that. So that's a bit of a shift from the state right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see that, that parade next year for two time and see Governor Whitmer back in her, her clompins. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me, you guys. This has been another episode of From the Newsroom. We'll be back in your feeds next week for another weekly roundup on Friday. Thanks for joining us. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.